president in charge. I can't remember the name of that calling, but it is a specific calling to be in charge of girls camp. My mom, funny enough, got called to be the girls camp director. Maybe that's what it's called for this summer for her ward, which is again, funny and ironic, but then she ended up getting called into the stake young women's presidency. So she's no longer in charge of girls camp. I'm your host, Haley Rawl. Today's interview is with the inspiring, badass, motivating Sal Osborne. Sal and her wife, Lena, are the stars of the Hulu documentary called Mormon No More. If you have not seen it yet, I highly, highly recommend it. It's phenomenal. Sal also does coaching. She coaches for people going through big life transitions, including faith transitions, and she just has such an incredible story. Sal and her husband left the church when she was a mother of three, and then she ends up falling in love with one of her Mormon mom best friends. I will let her tell the rest of the story, but it is such a great story, and there is so much to learn from her and everything she's been through. I can't wait for you all to hear what she has to say. I want to do a little catch-up corner. I've been calling it that, but that name kind of sucks. So I think I want to call it Campfire Chats. A little Campfire Chat. Much more fitting. So for today's Campfire Chat, I wanted to talk about the fun that we have been having on the Girls Camp Podcast Instagram. If you're not following, go follow. I've saved all of this that I'm about to talk about in my highlights on Instagram but for whatever reason, some reels I posted a while ago started circulating in Mormon spaces on Mormon people's Instagram. And I was getting the most insane comments <laughs> on these reels. And I was kind of having fun clapping back to these people and what they were saying and we ended up having a good convo in the dms and i was just chatting with so many of you about how crazy it is the things that certain mormons will say to people who are talking about leaving the church and talking about being happy outside of the church it's just really wild but it was a really good reminder for me that that narrative is alive and well I guess not a good reminder, an unfortunate reminder, but a reminder nonetheless that that's kind of what we're up against as post-Mormons. There are people who so willfully misunderstand us. The Mormon church is still teaching things about how we are lazy and misled and deceived. And even though that's so unfortunate, it just kind of lit a fire under me yet again, to keep doing what we're doing here, which is just to validate that none of that shit is true at all. And I know we all know that, but there's another reminder. And in the meantime, I will take the engagement because I know that it is getting the word out about Girls Camp and I'm finding more people who relate and we're growing the community and it's so exciting. So haters gonna hate, little do they know that... It's actually doing the opposite of what they think it is. I wanted to tease that I'm thinking pretty seriously about a girl's camp in real life. I have so many fun ideas about what we could all do together, recreating a girl's camp that is inclusive and we get to wear whatever we want and we can make necklaces and boondoggles and braid each other's hair. I'm actually really starting to think about when this could happen and where we could do it. So stay tuned for more information on that because I want to hug you all in real life. Thank you for joining me for today's campfire chat. Here is the interview with Sal. All right, we're live. Yay. Welcome Sal to girls camp. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh my goodness. I'm so flattered that you said yes. You know, that's one, 
I talk about this all the time, but I feel like the post-Mormon community is just so willing to show up for each other. It's really cool. I feel that too. I think community is one thing Mormon church, the Mormon church does really well. And Mm -hmm. we all valued that. And so we're kind of taking it with us and trying to create community outside of that. And I, I think it's awesome. And another thing is, is we know how much it sucks. And so exactly. (laughs) We don't want people to have to go through it alone. Totally. There's like a shared, such a huge shared experience when you're post-Mormon. And I feel Mm -hmm. like it's so cool to be able to hardly know someone and be able to be like, but I do know you in a way. Oh yeah. Big pieces of what you've gone through. Absolutely. It's weird how specific it is. (laughs) Seriously. It's such Mm -hmm. a niche experience, Mm -hmm. but it's Yeah, it's crazy how relatable it all can be. I cannot wait to get into your story. I think it'd be great to just get an idea of your context. I know a lot of people listening will probably know a little bit about your story, but some of that context. And then I'm really excited to talk about your Hulu show, what that was like, what you're up to now with your retreats and your coaching. So that's kind of where we're going to end up. But if you want to start us out, great. You know, tell us your story of, of leaving Mormonism. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. This may be redundant for people who have followed me and my story, but I always seem to come up with a few new nuggets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how it goes. <laughs> as as my life goes on, I have more and more realizations and more awareness and I'm learning more about myself every day and living outside of the box of Mormonism is just really exciting. And I love having all the possibilities and not knowing all the answers anymore. Amen. So it's pretty Agreed. fun. Agreed. Um, I grew up in the church. I was born in a Mormon family. Um, my dad was an FBI agent, so we moved around a lot. Uh, I ended up in high school in um, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, so way north. Mm. And so I kind of call that where I'm from. But I did grow up with a bunch of brothers and a dad that was a jock, and I felt the patriarchy and the inequality from a really young age, being the tomboy that I was and still am. And my parents kind of just chalked it up to me having brothers. They didn't realize that I was legit, um, you know gender fluid, I would say, like gender non-conforming. And I definitely, that was who I was. I was always doing all the things my brothers were doing and even more into sports and things than they were and more competitive Mm. and rough. (laughs) And it's, it came very naturally to me. And I was really angry from an early age that I couldn't go on the campouts and I couldn't do what all the boys were doing in their activities. I did not want to knit or learn how to (laughs) do homemaking or craft or any of that. crap. I, I still don't like doing that. It's, you know, I have ADHD as well and I needed to move my body and I like to be outside. And so I pushed and tried to make change from a young age, but eventually it kind of just, got to the point where I was like, okay, I guess God wants me to be different. God wants me to conform and be a Mormon girl. And this is what a Mormon girl does. This is what a Mormon girl looks like. This is what she talks about and doesn't talk about. And so I guess if you love me, keep my commandments, right? Like this is how I show my love to God by conforming and repressing. And eventually by the time I was 12, 13, 14 was about the time that I like hit puberty and felt awkward in my female body. And I was like, okay, I need to make a choice here. Am I going to, am I going to commit to the church and, you know, shut down all these things that are happening inside me internally and follow, you know, what, what I've been taught, or am I going to hang out with the non-Mormon kids and explore and do what they're doing? And I, you know, obviously decided to be Mormon. And I pretty much made the decision to shut down my truth. And, you know, I don't, I didn't know I was gay. Like, my awareness hadn't come to that. But I definitely, looking back, I had crushes on girls at that time. And I had this, like, connection with 
with a couple girls that I was like weirdly obsessed with, but I didn't know like the words to say that what that was. You were saying that at a pretty early age, you were recognizing something different, maybe didn't have those exact words for it, but you mm -hmm. feel like you kind of made a conscious choice to suppress that and like do what you were essentially being told to do by the church. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I, I think that if, you know, if I had been given the opportunity, like to explore my sexuality, if that had been something that was like, uh, given to me as an opportunity that may have changed things, maybe I would have felt my body and been like, whoa, what is this? Like, and yeah. there were no gay people in North Idaho. Like, <laughs> there's, there's yeah. nobody out in the whole, I didn't know anyone. And so it wasn't something that was like, even allowed. Like there was my, my best friend had a brother who was clearly gay, queer, so cute and great. And he just like got teased a lot. And he mm -hmm. didn't get treated well. And he he ended up getting addicted to alcohol and drugs. And he's he passed away. Like mm. from from the toll of all from, of that. Yes, from being rejected by his family and his community. And, you know, we may not actively um, in our awareness recognize that stuff, but I definitely was getting those messages. Absolutely. And, and also, you know, just the patriarchy and, and being a woman in the church is not a pleasant experience, whether or not we want to admit that or not. Um, it wasn't pleasant. And it was, we were second class citizens in the church. And I kind of did what I could to make it work. And I was an overachiever. I was, you know, I had religious scrupulosity, which is like religious OCD kind of mm -hmm. thing where I was mm -hmm. overly zealous. My brother, my older brother recently told me, Lena, my wife was kind of like poking him and asking him about how our relationship was in high school. And he eventually said, you know, I didn't want to hang out with her because she would always uh, ruin the fun. <laughs> He's mm -hmm. like, I wanted to be a boy, a normal teenage boy. And like, make dirty jokes and do like things against the law and you know be rambunctious and and do things a little bit bad and you always would tell on us or tell us not to do it and I look back on that and I'm like yeah I totally was like that I totally was afraid of anyone in my surroundings doing quote the wrong thing being bad breaking the rules and I think, you know, I've noticed that it's pretty common with queer kids in the church to have a lot of that behavior because I mm. think we we're, we are um, making up for, you know, all this repression that's going on. Yeah, like kind of an overcompensation mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That's so hard, though. So, so hard. So sad, sad that, yeah, sad. Sad that that's almost a coping mechanism, it seems like for that mm -hmm. inner turmoil you're feeling. And it's interesting because, you know, when you're talking about those young women's activities and that box that the church puts women in, I felt that too on one level, right. As a woman in the church, but I feel like you're experiencing that on an even deeper level on like you're being put in multiple boxes that you didn't feel like fit. Mm -hmm. And that's, just such an added layer of difficulty and thank and you a challenge I can imagine yeah I'm still unpacking it for sure I bet yeah <laughs> it's gonna I be uh, it's gonna be a long uh, you know lifelong process and and I and I think that's okay I think that's okay and and it's it's one of those things where people who understand understand and people who don't yeah are gonna hate on like the fact that we keep talking about it but like mm-hmm all of our trauma happens in those in those years, those formative years is like where all the dysfunction starts and, and is is from. I'm very like educated now on psychology and everything about trauma and everything about how we heal and stuff. And and it all goes back to to the times that we were in, you know, primary and young women's it's it's uh 
it's a lot to heal from and to unlearn and the conditioning runs really deep. So, yeah, that's so true. And it's, it's so wise what you said, because I've been getting my fair share of comments. I kind of didn't until recently on Instagram, but there's some reels that are like circulating past the sphere of people Mm -hmm. who get it, like you're saying. And I think what you said is so wise because the people who get it, get it. And Mm -hmm. there's going to be plenty of people who are upset that we're talking about it, who are their own things are getting triggered. Their defensiveness is getting triggered, but it is really healing to know that there are these spaces, that there are people who understand and you don't have to like prove your trauma to, they just get it and understand Mm it. Yes. And that is so meaningful. And I think that's why it's so important that you, you have this beautiful space that you've cultivated and these, all these various types of public platforms where you're speaking out about these things and letting people have that experience of feeling understood and connected. Thank you. And that's just so huge. Thank yeah. you. I really appreciate that. Yeah. I, I, I want to tell you, keep going. You're going to get the, mm. the bigger you get and the more traction you get, the more hate you're going to get. People like to say, especially ex- ex-religious people, even people that, mm. you know, like on our side of the fence, you know, John DeLynn told me he, you know, I've reached out to him a couple times since being on Mormon Stories about like needing support <laughs> as a public figure. Mm. Um, yeah. and, he, and he says the the worst hate that he's got is from ex-Mormons. Interesting. Yeah. I do not doubt it though. Really interesting, right? And so, you know, I just... I'm just starting to really just find my people and for people who, who aren't about it, like I'm ignoring it. I recently put a, a post that I pinned to the top of my profile on Instagram that talks, that says why I keep talking about the church. And I kind of explain why and Mm. kind of say, Hey, if you don't want to be here, don't be here. Like just this is, this is what I'm going to do. And since I, since I pinned that, like I get a lot less of those comments. And it's really smart. So that's super smart. Hmm. I saw something on TikTok. I don't know who to attribute it to because I can't remember who it was from. I'll attribute it in the show notes, but it was a TikTok. And this woman said, I heal loudly because I suffered silently. Mm. And that was so impactful to me because it's another layer of why it's important to be speaking about these things. Isn't that beautiful? I love that. I love that too. It's like in Relief Society or you're like freaking Sunday school, you, you, everybody's like, if you say one thing out of line, the next person raises their hand and says, no, we're going to turn this around. You know, like, yep. You cannot speak. I know you, they re-steer the ship. Yes. I was in that phase for a good year or so where I was like, Mm. I'm going to go to church and I'm going to raise my hand. I like would go bear my testimony and be like, you know, I don't really think this feels true, but, (sighs) and just the amount of discomfort and like pushback that it causes to express those different opinions. It's why people have to leave the church. It's like, there's no room for Mm -hmm. that kind of discourse. And yeah, yeah, it, it pushes you into silence and compliance, which is why when we do leave, we want to talk about it and we want to talk about it loudly and we Mm want to talk about it publicly. And, you know, that's not always, of course, the Mormon's favorite thing. Yeah, no, (laughs) they're not going to like that. They're like, keep your mouth shut, like stay in your place. We don't want to hear from you. You're making us uncomfortable. And then yeah, it's scary exactly. for, them, for sure. It's like, and, and it's just like also this like line between uh, what they call like respect, this whole freaking mm-hmm. argument about, oh, you want us to respect your point of view. Well, then you need to respect what we believe. And I'm like, but I don't respect it. I don't respect that you guys treat women worse than men. I don't respect how you uh, are bigoted and racist. Like, yeah. I just don't. And so I'm not going to say that I I don't think that every one and every belief deserves respect. I can, I can separate the person from the religion. And so I think that's a big thing where it's like, I'm talking about an organization. I'm talking about a a big corporation here. That's, that's a 
cult that's you know brainwashing you that's these are harsh words but like i'm i'm not gonna pretend like that's not the truth so you know especially for for me as a queer person something i've been thinking about a lot is how you know some mormons ex-mormons can walk into a room of mormons and like if they're if they're nuanced and, and they're not pushing it on you then they're chill like i can hang out with these people they're not pushing it on me it's all good uh but me like walking in somewhere that like who's obviously queer like i'm i'm very uh i have a different i present non-binary totally. looking and so the the awkwardness for me is just being in it's it's a huge elephant in the room and i yeah personally it's out of my integrity to ignore that mm. and so it's not that it's not that i can't do it but it has to be the first thing that's addressed because i don't feel safe i don't feel safe Absolutely. In, in, in the presence of someone who supports an organization that um actively rejects who i am um yeah. and and says that i'm not equal and so i think it, you know, I think that it's harder for me. And I think all of our kids, we're all going to have a queer kid, everybody in our generation, you know, like it's becoming kids can be themselves, you know, in this generation. And so I think I think there's something to be thought about there. You know, it's like, Absolutely. when are we going to stop being like, oh, it's OK for me, but it's not OK for Sal. So I'm going to do it. But totally. But shouldn't it be okay for everyone? Exactly. Know? Yeah, I've thought a lot about this with I've been thinking a lot lately about the cost of leaving, like what it, you know, it costs p different people different things to leave the church. And I've also been thinking about because the episode that's going live tomorrow is with a gay man and he's the first queer person I've had on the podcast and I've been thinking about the difference as a queer person between choosing to leave versus really, truly being pushed out. And I know probably not all queer people feel the same. And I'm curious if that resonates with you, but with queer friends that I have, the sentiment is you as a straight person, you got to choose to leave where me as a queer person, I literally could not be myself in this organization and therefore they feel like more pushed out than having a choice of, well, this maybe doesn't feel right. So I'm going to step away. And I think that probably comes, I mean, it obviously comes with a very different experience of leaving and of processing that leaving. Yes. Thanks for asking. So that kind of leads into the next part of my story, which we'll get back to, which is that I went to BYU. I got married my second year as a sophomore to a really good guy, Shane, and and uh, we were homies. We we're like best friends, and we had all kinds of similar interests. We played in a band. We uh, snowboarded and biked and surfed and all this fun stuff. And then we had three little kids. And when I was pregnant with my third, um, we ended up here in Southern California. And he came upon upon some history about Joseph Smith that he didn't know about. And he kind of like got sucked into the rabbit hole. And that went on for about two years before I was willing to really look at what he was looking at because it scared the shit out of me as as it would. Um, and so we saw a therapist and the therapist helped me to like open up. And uh, as soon as as soon as I was open to it, it was like, oh, I have to find out for myself now. And that took me like a week. <laughs> like mm, it was so obvious. It was so obvious to me. And I think I was kind of prepped by, you know, Shane those whole two years and kind of like really respecting him and loving him and seeing that he was still a great person as he was like losing his faith. Um, mm. I was, I, I, you know, I think I considered, I was like, am I going to have to divorce him? Is he, you know, is this what it's going to be? And I was like, took me like, in no time I was like that would be so dumb you know that would be mm. the dumbest decision to leave him because he's still a really great dad and a great partner so so yeah we left the church in 2017 I had no idea I was queer I think I opened up to him soon after we left that like I was like you know 
I'm pretty sure if I was in college and not Mormon, I would have tried stuff with girls. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and and I and he was like, "Cool, sweet." <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> he's like, "Nice." <laughs> he's like, "That's great. Thanks for telling me." And and uh, and you know, like sexuality is something I think everyone kind of takes a look at after they leave the church because none of us young Mormons ever got the chance to to deconstruct to like kind of like open that up and um it can be scary and uh sometimes it leads to divorce sometimes it leads to you know periods of time of open relationships and and all kinds of exploration it's very tricky and I feel bummed that so many of us have to go through this that we didn't get the chance to to figure that out before we were married um yeah, totally. Yeah, but but basically, I ended up. I I go. I went to this Dr. Finlayson Fife. She's a sex therapist who's Mormon, but I I swear she doesn't really believe. <laughs> but <laughs> because her views are so like yeah. not doctrinally Mormon at all. Um, yeah, she's a clinical like you know psychologist. So so anyway going to that retreat was really helpful for me, um, helped me to open up and kind of like allow myself to feel, uh, be honest with myself. And then in walks Lena, she's, she's this like Mormon mom that I was reluctant to talk to or be friends with because she was Mormon and I wasn't. And, but we had this mutual friend that was like, you guys need to meet, you guys are going to get along. And so after a little while I talked to her and we instantly were homies and mom friends and we did stuff with our husbands and our families and stuff. And then because I was so in tune at that time and and really committed to my own integrity and my own discovery and being honest with myself after feeling like I had lived in self-betrayal as a Mormon, yeah. um, when I noticed the feelings that were coming up for me with Lena, the, the magnetism, this like pull towards her, I recognized that it wasn't something I was familiar with. It wasn't something I was comfortable with even. Like I was very much like, oh, this is like, this is getting out of hand. Like I'm kind of obsessed with my friend. This is weird. What am I going to do about this? Mm -hmm. You know? And and, uh, so she's a little older than me and she's very wise. And, and so I was like, Lena, what's going on here? Like, do you feel this? Like, are we just like, are we just like long lost best besties or something i don't know what's going on twin flames (laughs) twin flames and uh so we're sitting in her minivan after a kundalini yoga class and i'm like listen you're not getting out of this van until you tell me what you think's going on here and she's like well i think you've been hitting on me and i really like it (laughs) oh this is so fun i have butterflies what it's so like you can feel that how exciting that probably felt and scary i'm sure yeah yeah it was it was equal parts yeah it was really scary and really exciting and i was kind of in shock and and just like oh what does this mean i am married and so are you and we have families and we're in our 30s and what what the hell and you and you just gave a talk last week at church (laughs) damn yeah a whole different layer (laughs) so the next kind of couple months were um really difficult and they were kind of traumatic because we had to you know discover and admit to ourselves that we were that we were gay and and that we had feelings for each other and we had to to figure out how to move forward with our husbands. And, you know, I remember having a panic attack two nights after I talked to Lena. I had dropped off a babysitter after going on a double date with with uh, Shane and, and some friends. And I thought about, I thought I was going to have to say goodbye to Lena. I was like, mm. I'm going to have to say goodbye to her. We're going to have to move so I don't see her like, and the thought of that just instantly, instantly was like a gut punch. And I st- I had a panic attack. And I was just like, the feeling of saying no to myself after really knowing and, and feeling and letting myself feel what was going on was like death. It felt like mm. death. It felt like I was just like saying no to me. And yeah. it was really scary. So, so ultimately, I did the hard thing. You know, it would have been easier to stay, but it was it was hard. And um, 
we we made it happen and it's been difficult in some ways obviously both of our husbands obviously had a hard time with this uh, but my husband had a harder time with it than than hers did ultimately mm. he, you know sh- paul lena's ex has been through lena and paul both came from families of divorce and so mm. um they had this like experience that that as children it they wanted it better for their kids than they had it as children mm. and they wanted to be able to make this experience as the least amount of pain possible um uh-huh. for their kids and so they decided to put put their own stuff aside and and paul's been showing up since day one and it's been pretty great cool yeah that's i'm a child of divorce my parents got divorced when i was 13 and it's an interesting thing i was just talking to a friend who's going through a divorce right now and she has two young girls and she was kind of just saying you know i just feel so bad i feel like i failed my children and i said to her I am so glad my parents got divorced. (laughs) Mm. They needed to. There's a lot of reasons. There's like a lot to it. But to me, I saw their divorce, even at a young age, really as something brave and something that benefited our family as a whole. Mm. And I think there's a concept, right, of, and this is probably very much inherited from Mormonism as well, but a concept of like, keep the original family together at all costs. And I think that... That to me is so silly because, again, I'm trying not to put words in your mouth. So let me know if this is true. But at least for my experience as a child, as a teenager, I would so much rather my parents be happy than my parents be suffering on my behalf. You know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. we're choosing to stay together for you. That to me is like a greater burden to bear as a teen than navigating mm divorce. But again, it obviously depends on the situation. I just feel like ultimately, and I think this is how I feel about parenthood, though my, I have two young girls there, one, so Mm. I don't really know yet, but I feel like I know ultimately if I'm living my truth, if I'm living my best life, to me, that's going to benefit them more Mm -hmm. than continually martyring myself on their behalf, Mm. you know? Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yes, that's beautiful. And and that's what I had to keep telling myself through all the mom guilt, for sure. Mm. Uh, there was a lot of that. And I, I knew that I couldn't betray myself, um, but that did not make it not painful. Uh, yeah. You know, I wasn't, yeah. I had a, my little boy had just turned two when, when we moved out of the same house and so that was like really devastating to not be with him every second of every day you oh, know yeah like I bet. to have to give him to to his dad for two days I was like where's my freaking baby you know like I did not like that and totally and, uh that was really you know something that I'm glad I don't have to relive and you know grieving grieving our families grieving what we thought we thought our life was going to look like. I know that, you know, leaving Mormonism, we have to do that. And, and divorce, it's like, it it felt like a death in a way and, and a rebirth at the same time. When you say no to something, when you say yes to something, you say no to something else. And it's not an or, but it's an and. So we, you know, we tried to, we tried to allow for the grief and the happiness, like all the feelings and, and not just say, Oh, it's great. And this is what we need to do. So everything's fine. No, like it's hard and it's beautiful. It's been really amazing to watch our family blend together and watch the kids thrive. They have done so well. Our oldest, Lena's oldest was eight and our youngest was two and we have seven combined. So it was gnarly at the beginning. That is gnarly. Even, yeah, mixing families and all the logistics of that, that would be mm-hmm. a lot. It was so much. It was really uh, chaotic. But but they're siblings. They, they freaking love each other. And it's a party all the time. <laughs> like, it's I a bet. play date. It's a play date. And, and they love each other. They're so proud to be a part of this family. They're so proud to be little uh little activists you know and uh-huh. i know i know we have a couple of them in here that are queer and 
And I think we're providing them a safe space. And it's just so different than how I grew up. It's we're just winging it. And it's and every ex-Mormon parent also can relate to that. You know, we we don't know what we're doing, but we're we're raising kids that that can think for themselves. And that's pretty cool. Absolutely. I'm so glad you said that. I, I know that something my listeners are concerned about is raising kids outside Mm -hmm. of the church. It's something that comes up again and again, and there's such a structure that the church provides Mm -hmm. and so many answers. I understand how difficult it can feel to step away from that, but I'm glad you spoke to that because, you know, I haven't really stepped into parenting yet in, in that way. And I love hearing from parents of older children that it, you can do it. It works. Your kids are happy and you know, they're, they're getting things that you wish you had when you were a child, which is, seems really, really healing as well. Yeah, it's I was just reading a puberty book with my 10 year old girl last night. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like, we're just like, you know, we're figuring it out. It's like, oh, it doesn't have to be awkward. Like, there doesn't have to be things that we can't talk about and that are like totally, you know, totally off limits. Like, there's literally nothing off limits for us to talk about. And our kids get to to develop naturally and safely you know, like we can talk about sex, we can talk about drugs and how to experiment safely, how to do this safely. If you want to do it, here are the dangers. Here are what you possibly could learn. Like it's so much healthier. I think it's so much healthier than how I grew up. Oh man. It's like, absolutely. And they're not going to have to get married to the wrong gender, not knowing that they're like, (laughs) oh It's so awesome. Seriously. Yeah, that's so, so awesome. I love hearing that. I'm I'm curious from when you decided to get divorced, what was the journey like after that point? And I'm also super curious about the Hulu show because that is such a gigantic platform. And I know there's a huge difference between leaving Mormonism and needing to tell your family and needing to live in your community that way versus being very publicly, openly talking, critiquing Mormonism. So I'm curious kind of what led you to that point after your divorce. So, you know, I had this intuition that if Lena and I ended up together, that we would be public. Like we are two women who are strong and we are like, we have voices of our own, even separately. We're kind of powerhouse, like <laughs> women who are not afraid to to make people uncomfortable. That's just kind of who I've always been. Um, I think I miss, I'm missing some kind of like <laughs> part of my personality that, that other people have where they, where they like care about that. Yeah. But, <laughs> no, that's amazing. Um, it's, it, it can be, you know, one of my children is just like that. And I'm like, Okay, I'm a li- I'm a little worried about that, but um, no, it's really good. Lena Lena was a high school teacher. She was a champion cheer coach. She ran her own business before me. She's written cookbooks. She's a yoga instructor. Now she's an energy healer. She's incredible. And I knew she also has four kids. Two of them were premature and in the NICU, f- almost died. Like mm. she put her husband through law school and she's just really awesome. And I knew that if I was to get with her, we would, we would make ripples. Like we have this beautiful blended family. I felt that we couldn't be quiet, that if we decided to, to not tell our story and be out of the spotlight, we'd be, we would not be living in alignment. I've felt this pull that we need to be public visibility matters. And I want to help every person that I can to live their truth and to not be afraid and to be able to not have to go through as much pain as I did. Maybe I can help, you know, the me five years ago to, to navigate this and avoid some of the pitfalls and to have more hope and to know, see, you know, I feel like we're kind of the light at the end of the tunnel for a lot of people. They're like, Oh, you know, maybe I can have that. And and it was worth it to me, you know, like my, when I uh, started the podcast, it, 
and started coaching i that was before the hulu show so the way that we got the hulu show was uh, uh this post that we did for an instagram account went viral and a producer from abc saw the post, saw the post. Mm-hmm. and they she is a queer woman with a daughter and a, a wife and so she reached out and was like hey you guys have a story do you want to do something and so i was like we we said yes we knew it was we had been approached by a couple other people before then, but this this felt right. And so yeah. they came out and did like a uh, – they filmed for like three days and made a little promo for it to pitch to the, to the network. And during that shoot, my parents were in town, and so they interviewed my parents. And uh, my parents uh, – <laughs> they would do anything for me. They were still Mormon, and it was very nerve-wracking, and it was very scary, and – uh, they did it anyway, and They've it was since awesome. Left, right? Your parents have since left the church. Yeah, spoiler alert: <laughs> If you haven't seen the show, it's like, it's it's really cool. So, like my my parents started out devout um, at the beginning, and by the end, you know, the producers had asked them enough hard questions. We filmed over a year, and wow. so as as we kind of went and, and COVID COVID hit, it was like the beginning of when was that beginning of COVID? It was, it was a tough time. And it, my parents just ended up really, really thinking deeply about the questions they were being asked and could not, could not uh, live within their own value system by still supporting the church and supporting me. Yeah. So, so it was really yeah. cool. That's so cool. What was that experience like? filming the show what was the feedback like Mm -hmm. like where where do you feel like that led you what was the outcome of it all yeah I was thankful for the opportunity obviously like I I wanted to I wanted to share this message even if it was hard and even if we didn't get paid because we did not get paid um yeah wow and that was a lot of work because because we had to like you know put off our own work and stuff to film it um But it's ended up being such an amazing resource for people. And and also it's been great to bring people to us to learn about what we do and for us to reach more people and help more people. Totally. Um, The process of filming was tough. They would come for, you know, a week and we'd have filming every day. It was I I swear they put like less than five percent of what they filmed in the actual show. Oh, I'm sure. I'm a lot on the cutting room floor. Yeah. Yeah. Those reality TV producers. I'm like, how do you, I can't even imagine that job of sifting through that. much. It was intense. We're, we're like really good friends with the, with the producers now. And, and we feel, we feel really good about it and grateful for the opportunity. It's been the, the feedback's amazing. I just, I mean, it's on disney plus now too internationally it's on disney plus and it's so cool to get messages from like random places all over the world from people yeah so cool it's like you said earlier visibility matters it matters so much and i don't know i one thing i've sensed in the post-mormon space is that there's there's kind of this um I don't know. I feel like people want to maybe prove that they've like moved on or prove that like they're over it, they're past it, they're beyond it. And I mean, I think that's fair. I feel that way sometimes as well, but I do think that that inclination can maybe hold us back from really understanding like the, the level of impact (laughs) that the church had on us and just just being validated to by people who are visible on these public platforms that like, it's okay. You said also earlier, it's a lifelong process and that's okay, right? There's no finish line or deadline. There's no like specific place you have to get. It's probably for almost all of us, a lifelong journey. And I think being able to be in that together feels really validating for me when I find myself feeling like, should I just like try and stop talking about this or like get over it? You know, because you do rationally, I know that that's not true. That doesn't feel right for me, but I do think that that's something that a lot of us kind of wrestle with. 
Absolutely. And I think the conditioning of Mormonism is anti-vulnerability. It's also keeping up with the Joneses and what you what you are putting out for everyone else to perceive. It's all about, okay, we're the little cute family in our little gap outfits with our hair combed and yep. trying to look perfect to everyone else. And I think that conditioning is still with us as ex-Mormons. It's like, what's cool? I want to be a cool ex-Mormon. I want to like, if it's not if it's not cool to like still be talking about it, then I'm not going to. But totally. But like, it, we, so we're trying to rewire ourselves to do something that's not natural. It's not natural for us to talk about the hard stuff and to admit that we're having a hard time and to um, show up on the internet messy. It's mm. it's it's not something that feels comfortable to us. And so we have to push through that. And I really find it refreshing when people can just be like, fuck it. Like, I don't care that I'm being judged and I'm going to be myself. And just taking that step, I think taking that step and finding your people and then allowing everyone else to have their opinions is going to be where you're going to find your joy. It's where you're going to find your peace and alignment. Because if you feel the need to talk about it, it must mean you need to talk about it. Like yep. it's not Amen. coming up for no reason. Amen. It's, it's, it's coming up because it needs to be, it needs to be processed. Like it's okay. And it comes in waves too. For me, sometimes I'll go through periods of time where things will just piss me off and I will be ragey and I will feel so wronged. And then other times I will be like, damn, like spirituality, like I love my life and, and I'm so like cool and I don't need to talk about any of that, but mm-hmm. it, it's okay. It's all good. It's all a totally. yes. Totally. I love that. I needed to hear that. Thank you. You're a coach. <laughs> You're coaching me. I, I secretly brought you on to coach me. I'm happy to do that. <laughs> I, I feel very coached <laughs> in a very wonderful way. Tell me more about what you do now. Lena and I have been kind of feeling out what the needs are of the community. And I've been doing individual coaching for a while now. And a lot of my clients are queer um, in, in similar situations that I've been in. And some of them aren't queer and some of them are just leaving religion. Some are just going through divorce. But it's been so like so rewarding. And I just work one on one with people. And then now... Um, Lena and I are moving into like group coaching. We're going to launch a a group coaching thing. She does, uh, she has realized since leaving the church that she has like gifts where she can really tap into other people's energy. And uh, it's pretty, it's pretty incredible. I, I myself um, have been, I'm a, I'm a skeptic at heart. My family is like skepticism is in our DNA. We're just kind of like, uh, prove it, you know, like kind of, (laughs) and, um, it's been fascinating to witness Lena and her, um, her spiritual gifts are incredible. She, you know, she had this like vision before, like two years before we got the documentary that this documentary was going to happen. And it was, it was, it was crazy. And like, I, I would not really believe in any of it if I haven't hadn't witnessed it firsthand with her. Totally. Totally. Um, so cool. So so we've kind of gotten into more spirituality and finding, you know, our voice, the the voice beneath your thoughts. We're very into breath work and, and meditation and um, you know, love the work of Glennon Doyle and Brene Brown, Eckhart Tolle, like all the mindfulness people. And it's it's uh allowed us to really help a lot of people. We've We've started retreats, and so we hosted our first like multiple day overnight one um, a couple months ago, and it was awesome. So we're gonna keep doing those. And Lena and I, she she does in person ones tomorrow. She's gonna she's gonna do it like a six hour one here meditation. Amazing, we've so been, cool. We, we've been experimenting with plant medicine and and how uh, that that can Rock kind on. of like amplify and, and be a, a shortcut to the soul. So it's all always used intentionally and not recreationally. Um, totally. So, so cool. Yeah. So cool. It sounds Thanks. like it's so fun. You, you also mentioned this earlier, but just the 
the endless possibilities when you mm-hmm. step away from a very strict, strict religious framework. It's just exciting the possibilities that are there, having the freedom to try stuff on and to try stuff out and see how things feel and how they align is so exciting. And it's, it's just so great that we get to do that now. It makes me so happy. Thank you. Thank you. It's been, it's been fun and scary. You know, like I've been tempted to go get a nine to five because we have to support a family and we we don't really get help from our, from our ex-husbands. We're, we're doing this all on our own. And it's, it's also been so empowering as women, like we're lesbians, no man involved here. We're like, we're doing this and we're creating something. And, and it's really, it's like, it's, it's healing coming yeah. from this Mormon upbringing that where you just see these stay at home moms and stuff like look at you you're doing this podcast you're doing something <laughs> for yourself it's really cool it's like killing the gender norms and what we've been expected to do and we're we're pioneers you know we are we're Mormon we're ex-Mormon pioneers <laughs> instead of Mormon pioneers right hell yes ex-Mormon pioneers I love that maybe that yep. will be my title for this episode there you go no it really is it's so inspiring to me and I I feel like being able to do this podcast, it's because women like you have led the way and it's just a chain of that happening, you know, and it's so cool when we can be that for each other and you two just seem so badass. I want to come out to Orange County and Thank do you. work together. <laughs> Please come. We would love to have you. My husband and I are always like, why don't we live in Southern California? Like, what are we doing during these harsh Utah winters? Right? Yeah. Yes. It's pretty awesome down here. I bet. There's pros and cons. We come up to Utah quite often, too. Um, We have, you know, where the Mormons are, the ex-Mormons are. So it's true. I know. You got a lot of peeps there, which is great. We do have a good community that we're super grateful for. And we have a lot of help, which is very nice at this stage. Are you guys from life. Utah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm from Provo. Oh, so wow. The, the heart of it all. Where You lived in Coeur d'Alene, but where were you born? I was born in Utah, but I okay. wasn't there for long. I, I did go to BYU Provo, though. I've been in Utah a lot. My, and my, my ex-husband's from Lehigh. So Yeah, so you know the drill. And my parents still live in... My parents moved back to, to oh, no Utah, way. so I'm going to be, I'm gonna be uh, up there you know, it'll be my home away from home for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. I cannot thank you enough. I feel very motivated and inspired and yeah, I really appreciate sharing your story and I appreciate making the time. I know that you're a busy woman. So thanks for taking the time for this. (laughs) Well, I've been looking forward to this and I appreciate what you're doing. I've been listening and you're doing a great job and I love the guests that you've had on and thanks. I'm all about it. So We're all here to support each other and I'm proud of you. I love it. Thank you so much. Seriously appreciate it. And let's be in touch. Okay. Thanks. Bye, Sal. Peace out. She